Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. No matter what profession, you tend to gravitate toward people who share similar outlooks about work and life as you do. For me, in the field of running a school-specific sports website, one of my guys has always been Gabe Diarman, who is publisher of Power Mizzou on the Rivals.com network. Yes, Gabe works for the other network, but this podcast is about my life, and he's been part of that for quite a while and probably always will be. He and I have always viewed our sites as news outlets that practice real journalism, which for many years was not how sites in our industry were viewed by outsiders. Our customers are fans, but we're not here to be fans. We cover recruiting, but we are much more than a recruiting site. We practice community journalism, but while all of my community wears purple, Gabe's dons black and gold. I've watched Gabe grow from a young writer for the Missouri side into a veteran publisher who is highly respected in our industry. One of the traits that makes Gabe so likable is that he speaks the truth and he rarely holds back. Missouri left the Big 12 for the SEC in 2012 and I left Rivals for 24-7 in 2017. So I haven't spoken to him for quite a while. I'm glad I'm about to break that streak and call Gabe DeArmond in Columbia, Missouri. Tim Fitzgerald. Are you done running errands for your wife? Uh, for today, I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm glad you found purpose in the midst of this pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I put a mask on for the first time today. When Did I, you? Not really mask so much, just as a uh, one of my wife's bandanas put over my face with rubber bands. But, you know, that's as, as close as I can get. That's very Columbia, Missouri of you. <laughs> yeah, well, we, I don't know if you know because you haven't been here for a while, but we are high class here I, in, in I know. Missouri. Yeah. I, I remember. I remember. <laughs> Hasn't changed. Yeah, I uh, I catch up on Missouri by watching Ozark. It is. Uh, I think that's the way all of you folks live. Uh, yeah, I tried to watch that. I got through like half a season and I didn't really like it that much, so I gave up. Yeah, you're not the first person I've heard that from. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, what bothers me is it's not actually filmed in the Ozarks. I Correct. I don't yeah. understand that. Well, you don't want to be too authentic, you know. I mean, you've got possibly some of the most beautiful lakes in the United States, and you've named your show after it, wouldn't you go ahead and film it there? They could have done the whole thing at Party Cove, and it would have been an entirely different show, I feel. It would have been a fun show. Yeah, would I would been, watch that. It might have been uh, too R-rated for Netflix. <laughs> That's okay. They have channels for these things, I've heard. <laughs> I'm sorry, Netflix, we cannot show this program in its entirety because of what goes on at Party Cove. I, I've only heard. I've never actually been. I have no, not actually not been. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a little over the top even when I was in my day. So uh, how are things in uh, the SEC? You guys, I'm, I'm glad that you still talk to us in the Big 12. That's nice. Yeah, they're, um, I, you know, it, it means more. Um, than it used to. But um, other than that, you know, it, it's funny. It took Missouri fans, um, I don't know, maybe a year to go from, boy, I hate the arrogance of the SEC to just fully bought in on the arrogance of the SEC. Um, the, the story I always tell the first time we covered media days, uh, which was, I think, in Birmingham. And, you know, there are – it's kind of like the Super Bowl. They like to say how many people they credential. So 
you literally could email somebody the day before and say, hey, I started this blog. It's a it's just a Word document right now, but we've got plans to get bigger and you're going to get in. And so a whole bunch of people were asking those of us that cover Missouri. So what do you think? We're like, I don't know. And like, it's media day. You know, I'm interviewing people and I'm writing stories. There's there's more people here, but but it's the same as as every other one I've covered. It's just a little harder to get a question in, um, you know, but it, no, there's a lot of good things about the SEC. Um, it is. I, I do think it's athletically the best conference in the country. It's just maybe not quite as good as everybody there wants to tell you it is. Yeah, I would agree with that. Plus having 14 teams helps. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And, uh, you know, Missouri is the um, northern and westernmost school in the SEC East. So makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I have questioned why Missouri was put into that division. However, in fairness, I don't think you want to be in the West. Yeah, well, I can tell you exactly why Missouri was put in that division. A, Auburn and Alabama did not want to be split up. And then, um, and and this was a little bit of foreshadowing toward maybe the, I don't want to use too insulting of a word, but um, Tennessee fans have a bit of a reputation in the SEC. They are quite passionate online and, uh, and, and quite vocal. Uh, but another big thing was that the SEC had to protect these, you know, traditional cross-division rivalries. And Tennessee did not want to give up playing Alabama the third Saturday in every October. So that had something to do with Missouri going into the East. If I'm Tennessee, I, I certainly would have said, whatever you can do to get Alabama off the schedule every year, do that. that that's where we want to go. But yeah. um, the Vols wanted Alabama. Well, good for them. Yeah. Good yeah. move, a, Tennessee. I, I haven't checked. I don't know what the record is, but I do know the first part of it is zero since uh, Missouri <laughs> joined the SEC between Tennessee and Alabama. Oh, my. Uh, what are those road trips like? I mean, uh, you know, you, when you're in a conference, you, yeah. you kind of make the road trips and you learn the ins and outs. And, and honestly, you get bored with it. You go to the same places right. over and over. But now, all of a sudden, your slate gets wiped clean and you're going to new places. You haven't even been every place in, I would imagine. No, I haven't. And uh, But it's got to be fun to, to have new adventures at our age. It is. That was my favorite thing was was new places to go. I mean, I've cut down on on my personal travel. I mean, our site still goes everywhere, but I've really cut down at this point. Most of the road games I cover are just uh, are they playing somewhere I haven't been a couple of years ago? They went to West Virginia and, and I went to that one because I hadn't been to Morgantown, which is a pretty cool trip. I, I like that. Um, but you know, it was fun just going new places. Uh, I like that most of the things in the SEC tend to happen in Nashville. Um, I like going to Nashville better than I like going to Kansas City or Dallas, where would, most of the Big 12 things happen. I would agree with that. Um, but, you know, for us, a lot of them are so hard to get to. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in the Big 12, the only place – and I could drive to Austin if I – really wanted to, but that was the only place that I would routinely fly. Um, every now and then we'd, we'd fly to fly to Oklahoma. Um, and, and I, I guess Lubbock and, and Waco, but honestly, we didn't go there very often at all, probably just once or twice to each place. So we could drive everywhere. Like I've never spent the night in Manhattan or Lawrence because it was close enough. I just turn around and, yeah. and at least get back to Kansas city, probably get home. Um, but now I am driving an hour and a half to the airport in St. Louis, waiting, you know, an hour, hour and a half for a flight. And then a lot of these places you're not flying directly into. When, when you're going to Georgia, you're flying to Atlanta. And with Atlanta traffic, that's another hour, hour and a half drive to Athens. It, Gainesville, you're flying into Jacksonville or Orlando, probably staying there and then driving an hour and a half on game day to get there. So, I, I mean, the travel is absolutely brutal for us. I mean, it's probably not as bad if, if you're in Tuscaloosa or whatever, but for us, it, it has been uh, very difficult. It's fun going to new towns. So Athens is one of the best college towns in the country. Knoxville's great. Uh, I like Columbia, South Carolina, but it's not really, it, it's not a typical college town. It's a little bigger city, but game day there is great. Um, I hate Florida. 
uh, haven't been to a couple of the other places. Fayetteville's a good town. Um, you know, I, I skipped the only, uh, only trip to Baton Rouge. I sent somebody because it was, uh, parents day at, at my son's college, his freshman year. So I didn't go there, but in 14 years, Missouri will be back. So yeah, so we'll that's just there right around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> That scheduling is something else, man. I, it, it's got to get fixed somehow. I mean, they, they've got to, I, I, I listened to when you had chip on, uh, you know, yeah. a week ago or whatever. And it, what makes sense is, is for 16 team conferences and you're splitting these things into four, four team divisions. You're playing three teams every year. You're playing another division every year. And it gives every kid the chance to say, I played in every stadium in the sec against every team in the sec and every team in the sec came and played in my state. Uh, I mean, there are, there are kids who come to Missouri who who will never even play LSU here or there, and so like you're kind of in the same conference, but it, you know it's, it's not even as much as like the Chiefs and the Jets being in the same conference. They play more often than the SEC teams. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I as I told Chip, 14 is the worst number to stop on. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, you can be at 12, you can go to 16. Uh, but 14 is just such an awkward number with two seven-team divisions because there you got six games within your division right off the top. Yeah, and actually, I think for a year, the SEC was at 13, which was actually even worse. Oh, I, I can't great. remember if A&M was, was in the SEC a year sooner than Missouri or not, but everybody knew that wasn't going to they, – they weren't going to stick there. Well, it's uh, I have actually come to the conclusion at times that I miss Missouri. I miss Missouri during the Big 12 tournament because it isn't the same without that third, well, counting Iowa State, right. fourth home school, so, so to speak. Well, and I miss I, – I mean, look, I always said the best thing would have been if the Big 12 could work. You know, um, that was the best thing for Missouri. And, and I think everybody – even everybody at Missouri knew it. But if Missouri and Nebraska and A&M didn't leave – the Big 12 wasn't going to work because Texas was Texas and Oklahoma were never going to agree to what I guess they somewhat ended up agreeing to uh, until they were forced to. And I think those teams leaving forced them to do it. Uh, but I miss the Big 12, especially during basketball season, because even in Lincoln and Ames in Stillwater, I mean, those, those fan bases cared about basketball. Yeah. And in the SEC, Kentucky cares about basketball. Missouri used to care about basketball. They haven't been good enough to care about it the last few years. Arkansas mostly cares about it. Tennessee cares about it when they're good as something to get them to the next football season. But that's really about it. I, I mean, Florida doesn't really care about basketball. South Carolina doesn't care. Auburn's good, but I don't think they really care. And so I miss it during basketball season because I grew up like you did on Big 8 basketball. And, and when that was, to me, far and away, the best league in the country. And, uh, you know, so I, I miss it then. Um, and, and it would have been – I miss some of the some of the rivalries. Obviously, I miss MUKU during basketball season. Um, I, I'm glad Missouri and K-State are playing in football. Uh, Missouri's playing Colorado in football down the road. So – so that's good, but the thing is, by the time those games happen, most of the people watching aren't going to think that's a rivalry. Yeah. Uh, their parents will, but but most of the people playing won't. It's crazy to think that, but you're right. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I I think we're in. Chip doesn't think we're going to have another round of realignment. I think we will. I think the Pac-12's got to solve itself, and if it doesn't, it, uh, some teams are going to be looking around. Well, the the hard part about realignment happening again there's only two leagues because for it to work one league has to go away right and the the acc the big 10 and the sec have their networks they're on solid footing they have all these schools that that make sense so the only way it can change is if either the pac-12 or the big 12 goes away in name and they kind of team up and then the leftovers, whoever those schools are kind of fill in the gaps in the other leagues. You know, I mean, I've always thought Kansas makes sense in the big 10. Um, to be honest, I, I thought back when, when Nebraska went, I thought Missouri and Kansas to the big 10 would have made sense. Um, because Kansas is, is a brand that look, it's going to bring basketball and it's one of the few schools in the country where, it, the basketball is good enough that you you just kind of put up with whatever football is, um, you know. So one of those leagues 
has to has to pretty much fold into the other one. And you wonder if either league will swallow the pride enough to say, okay, we can still call it your name or whatever. Uh, and you just take our teams and we'll find places for the other ones. Yeah, I agree. I, it's going to be intriguing because if uh, the Big 12 goes after the Pac-12, I honestly, I don't know what is – uh, what's going to happen to some of those schools if, if the Big 12 plucks four teams out of the Pac-12 or schools? Uh, it's going to get chaotic out west to try to keep something in place. Right. Well, and that's that's the hard part because if you're breaking the Pac-12 apart, where do the Oregon schools go? I mean, they don't make sense in another league. Whereas the big, if the Big 12 is the one that breaks apart, I mean, KU. And Texas makes some sense in the Big Ten, you know. OU and I guess if you had to take Oklahoma State, could be could be folded into the, the SEC and you know wherever else they are. But if you've got these, it, the Pac-10 already is like its own sports island that like we forget exists. So how do you put some of those schools into the ACC or or the Big Ten or something? I know it's uh, it's crazy, uh, but uh, I think we're going to have some more of this. Although I have to admit that uh, no matter how it changes in terms of leadership, the Big Twelve is still more than capable of screwing this up. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they all are. <laughs> you know, there's a consistency about the Big Twelve that yeah. you almost have to admire um, that they're going to make the wrong decisions and screw something up. Look, this is, in, like we talked about at the beginning, I am not the SEC honk that's going to tell you they do everything perfect or anything like that. But the one thing they do really well, it is a unified front. Whether everybody agrees or not, and I'm sure they don't always behind closed doors, once you never have the craziness that happened in the Big 12, like in 2010, that never happens at the SEC because the, the administration doesn't allow it. You know, Mike Slive and, and since him, Greg Sankey, they've, they've got a pretty good handle on everybody in their league. And it's, hey, you can yell at each other here in this room, but but we're not yelling at each other in the media or out in public. And, and that makes a big difference. Also, nobody can hold any leverage that they have a better thing to go to than the SEC. You know, That's true. Yeah. you can threaten to change conferences and everyone will look around the room and like, why would you do that? If you want to go, go ahead. Yeah, they always say, Slide said when Missouri joined, he said, there is no exit fee. Like, if you want to leave, we don't want you here anyway. Go ahead. I love you know, that. Cool. I just love it. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. What is Columbia, Missouri like right now in the midst of this? I I understand you just went out dressed like a bank robber, um, yes. which probably doesn't, you know, in Columbia, that's probably pretty common. But uh, <laughs> what's it like out right now? Is it really, really quiet? It's quieter, it, but it's not like you don't go out and go, oh, my God, I'm living in a zombie movie. Right. I mean, yeah. I went to I went to Westlake uh, Hardware last week to pick something up and what amazed me was a there were a decent number of people there but b they were all like 74 years old and i just kind of wanted to go up to all of them and go you understand you're the people who most shouldn't be here right now right i mean you've heard about what's going on here um so and you know that's the problem with this whole thing is nobody's gonna do what they say we're supposed to do until you're forced to do it the only place I've gone in the last probably 14 days, the only places I've gone are the drive through at the bank, the hardware store, and the grocery store. Other than that, I mean, we picked up dinner on the curb, not literally on the curb, um, you know, but from a restaurant a couple times. But other than that, like, I haven't seen anybody outside my family, anything like that. But I, I think there are still kind of a, a good number of people doing that. And so – out from the people that are smarter than me, it seems like this whole thing doesn't really work if just like 80% of us do the smart thing, right? Right. Uh, I mean, we kind of all have to do it. And, you know, one of my friends put it the, the best way. He said, are, are we going to be willing to give up our spring so that we can have fall? Um, and that's what everybody that does what you and I do, everybody that cares what you and I do, 
you better be willing to do it because if you want to see craziness, man, take football away from this country in three or four months. That's what I've been saying. And you take it away from the South. You take it yeah. away from the SEC, and I, man, all hell's going to break loose. I mean, it, it's going to a it's going to be mental health. Like right. depression is going to be a huge thing, especially when you get to you know when you get to November in Manhattan or in Columbia, and like you don't see the sun for five days, and it's thirty two and ice is falling sideways. Like mm-hmm. depression is is going to be a real thing, and then you just worry about. You know what people are. You know the legal, the riots and, and yeah. stealing and things like that. I'll be part of that. I'll be out there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'll... You're just saving up. You're staying mm-hmm. in your house for like five months so you can go loot places mm-hmm. in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm beginning to uh, do some uh, scouting. I go out um, <laughs> with my face covered because uh, that's legal now. Yeah, yeah, the six foot four, three hundred and thirty pound man. You can't recognize him when he covers his face. <laughs> Excellent. It makes you look two ten. It's a, it's an incredible thing. <laughs> you, you get a wig. <laughs> I've thought about it, but not related to anything with the coronavirus. Just get right, a really right. bad toupee and roll with that. Just <laughs> roll with that. Uh, I, I decided with Ben Lieber the other day I was going to get dreadlocks uh, and get get weed legalized in the state of Kansas and get uh, some dreadlocks and wear that around. I mean, Fitz, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but I don't know if that's your best look, man. Fitzian, I think it's a good role. I think it'll catch on. At least go out and get one of those visors with, like, the Mahomes hair on top. That's, that uh, that would look good on me. I wonder if I'd be able to throw <laughs> that, a ball. I mean, that would look good on anybody. Man, I knew he was good when he was at Texas Tech. I didn't. But uh, holy crap. So, so there is a, a tweet which I've gone back and retweeted because I have no pride. I don't care. I was furious when they took him over Deshaun Watson. Furious. Couldn't believe it. So, uh, I nobody has called me to be an NFL GM in the last twenty four months. Surprisingly. But on the other hand, you wouldn't have been wrong to take Deshaun Watson. He's pretty darn good well, too. You would have been wrong. <laughs> But, you know, not not like Mitch Trubisky wrong. Right. That's <laughs> definitively wrong. Yes. But, you know, like, what if Mahomes goes to the Bears? He's not what he is in that system with those guys and Andy Reid. He's good. I agree. Like, he's clearly going to be good anywhere. But he's not what he is there. And what if Trubisky or Deshaun Watson is in Kansas City? All right. they're, they're maybe not him, but they're probably better than Alex Smith was. If you're the... The Arizona Cardinals, are you looking at your head coach like, how the hell did you not win more games with that guy? 100%. Ow. Why did we hire you again? Yeah. Yeah. I did a, uh, I did a story um, a couple months ago. Missouri's cornerbacks coach now is David Gibbs, who was the Texas Tech defensive coordinator when uh, I think Mahomes' second and third year on campus. And I, I just did a story with it. And he said that the thing is, like, all this stuff that is all over the place that's gone viral now, like, he did that in practice at Texas Tech. And we would shoot it and put it on Instagram or Twitter, but it just it didn't blow up like it does now. He said the left-handed passes, the no-look, I saw all that. You know, in, in practice, and uh, if they just would have recruited like four defensive players, you would think they would have been really good. <laughs> just four. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like four good ones. It just field seven other guys, but have four good ones. I and you think you could win the Big Twelve with that guy. It's hard to fathom being so bad at defense. Patrick Mahomes couldn't outscore the opposition. It's just yeah. how bad they were on defense. I mean, because think how bad the Chiefs' defense was, you know, last year, and they were like a, a penalty away from the Super Bowl. Right. So apparently, Texas Tech's defense was like ten times that bad because he only went to one bowl game. That's crazy. They they actually showed a stat when Drew Locke was was finishing up his career here. He he started his career some like zero and eight against ranked teams, and they showed a stat that the only two NFL quarterbacks to have worse records against ranked teams than Drew Locke did at that time were Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes. So apparently beating good teams in college is, is not a thing that matters. That's nuts. Yeah. That's, that flies in the face of what a lot of theories are about 
being winners. We went out and got a bunch of winners. <laughs> well, because you remember after year one, all the people that were like, well, yeah, Mahomes put all these crazy numbers up, but like they lost to the Rams and they lost to the Patriots. So when it really counts, he can't win. Yeah. Like that was his fault. Yeah. Like he lined up offsides. Yeah. Well, there's 22 dudes out there. And the other thing about him is he's just a great person. I, you, you know, you kind of look at him and like, could you please get pulled over for I, a broken taillight so you can have feel like you're kind of flawed a little bit? Like, I, I want to say that, but I've learned over the years. Like, I don't know these guys. I, I mean, he appears to be perfect and never do anything wrong, right. right? But, like, there have been a couple dudes that I covered that, that got arrested that I just and, – and, I mean, not for just, like, a traffic ticket. Like, got arrested for bad stuff. Now, some guys you say, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. But some guys it happens and you go, man, they had me fooled. I really like that guy. I, I had no idea he was a deviant. Yeah. You know? So, I, I, I mean, I, I sure – I hope he is – the saint he appears to be and sits at the right hand of God, you know, but uh, we'll see. If he could clean up his brother's TikTok, that would be nice for humanity. <laughs> I've heard about that. I, uh, I am not familiar with it. Uh, get rid of that portion of his life. That would be fun. <laughs> not get rid of his brother. Just right. shut down the social media side of his brother. Okay. I, I, I don't think I want to. I, I, anything that might paint him or a member of his family in a negative light, I just pretend doesn't exist. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's kind of fun because uh, I have to explain this to people. We don't cover the Chiefs, so right. we can be fans. And even though we have so, a vast experience in dealing with athletes and we realize that they are flawed like any other form of human being, it's still nice to just think of them as superhuman at, at times. And, right. and uh, they're above all the mistakes we make when in reality they make all the same damn mistakes that just – well, and like I'm a bigger Chiefs or Royals fan. Well, not so much the Royals in the last couple of years, but bigger Chiefs fan than I was growing up because it's the only thing I've got left to just be a fan of. Right. You know, um, and and I don't like I can yell at my TV and I can go be drunk at a game and be be kind of stupid and whatever. I can't do that at a at a Missouri game anymore. So um, you know that's fun. But how often do you get asked? Like, how many times during Super Bowl week? Did somebody ask you if you were covering the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, not many, but yeah, you I, get it. I'm like, why would I cover it? I'm right. I got asked like probably six or seven times by like friends of mine. And I just like, I don't just cover sports, right? Like that's not my job. I don't, I don't just, just any sport that happens. I don't just go cover that. You know, what's weird about it is uh, I had this inkling like if someone asked me, can you help us out in the Super Bowl and go to it, that I would do it. And then I thought, no, no, no that's no. no, I don't want to do that. But number one, because we've covered bowl games. We've covered NCAA tournaments. Covering the Super Bowl is a whole new level of crazy, busy oh, insanity, yeah. not sleeping, not eating right. Uh, you know, just grinding for more than a week leading up to the game. And I, I think I can say that uh, setting my cancer aside, let's pretend <laughs> that doesn't exist. Right, right. I'm past that point in my life of working that hard. That and like I wouldn't even have wanted to go to the Super Bowl. As a fan, like I always said, if the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, I don't want to be there. Like I want to be around people that want them to win as badly as I do. So I met my, – my son goes to – he's a senior in college up in South Dakota. So we met in Omaha. And we went to a Chiefs bar in Omaha. And, I mean, we got there at 2.30 and, you know, pictures of Boulevard for like nine hours. It was a ball. I, I, I had much more fun than I would have had being at that game for $3,800. Yeah, I agree. I got the prices are ridiculous. Um, you know, and I just hit out in my basement. I decided um, yeah. I just wanted to spend that day with my wife and dogs and not yep. be around anyone asking me questions or you right. know, annoying table next to me or we used to have a Super Bowl party and there's one way that's worse to try to enjoy the Super Bowl than going to a Super Bowl party <laughs> with people that want to talk about things. Uh, it's the host of the Super Bowl party where people are talking about nonsense because you never see the game asking uh, where their nachos are. Right. I don't know. You know, I'm yeah. so we just hit out in the basement. Uh, I ate a strange collection of uh, food that we we held a Super Bowl 
food draft on our podcast. You know, you had to pick. Okay. And uh, I, I choked. I, I didn't know we were having a Super Bowl. You choked in the draft or you like choked on the food? Gabe, I picked lasagna in the first round. Um, is that a Super Bowl food? It was for me this year. Okay. You cut it up in like real tiny pieces and put it on a toothpick so you can pass it around the room. It's like bite-sized lasagnas. No, I mean, I didn't know we were doing this. (laughs) I had the third pick of a snake draft, and I'm like, I had the third and fourth picks, and I'm like, I totally draw a blank. Do I pick nachos? No. Do I I pick even chips? No. I blurt out lasagna. (laughs) Did you go with Caesar salad in the second round? I went with buffalo chicken dip. Okay. Which was okay. And then the third round was, uh, uh, what did I have? I, I had it. I ate it at the party. It was actually a, a better pick. So, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it, it, you only had up to go after lasagna in round one. Uh, That's rough. <laughs> no, I know. And now I, now, now I had lasagna for the Super Bowl and the Chiefs won. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> If they go back, do I have to have freaking lasagna again? Wait, did you actually have to make it? Yeah, well, my wife made it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, uh, bless my wife. She I, she came through and made lasagna. Um, I uh, I believe my Super Bowl fair was Boulevard wheat and and water, and uh, just enough food with some sort of bread in it that I could have more Boulevard wheat. That's good. That's a good plan. Yeah, it's solid. So, just soak it up. I. Uh, I hadn't drank in two months, and last night we—it was our anniversary, uh, thirty yeah, years. Yeah, uh, My poor wife—I don't know how she's not just babbling in a corner. But um, so we zoomed with some friends last night, and I got socially distant, distanced drunk. That's hard to say, by the way. Socially distanced <laughs> drunk, and I—I uh, I paid the price today. Yeah, now you're socially distanced, hungover. Yeah, you know. At 55 and with cancer uh, and no muscle mass left because of my hormone treatments, you don't bounce back like ever. Like you I never quite get fully over that hangover. So, so, so it's not really a hangover. It's now just a permanent state. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It just it took uh, it just shaves a little bit off of you, and uh, I don't have much left to give. But by God, you know what I'm doing tonight. I'm. Meeting some buddies on Zoom and drinking again. You're back on the horse. Was was this the uh, was this the prescribed approach that that your physician has given you? Um, I think my physicians are just kind of like uh, whatever, man. You know, just do your thing. <laughs> They're like, I fits. We'll, we'll see you in six months, man. Yeah, I'm probably the only person in the world happy to have prostate cancer because I get to make peepee jokes, and I, and I make a lot of them. I make a lot of pee-pee jokes and uh, erectile dysfunction jokes. You know, yeah. you know, someone says life is hard, and I'm like, not for me. So, <laughs> well, if, if there's somebody that could handle it with uh, with humor, I, I guess it, it it came after the right guy. It, but. it actually does help. It really does help. And uh, I was speaking at uh, a, a run, a prostate cancer run, and I made a joke about uh, this is the first time I ever spoke in public wearing adult diapers. And even the prostate cancer crowd was a little uncomfortable with that reference. <laughs> Dude, don't. No, we don't want to talk about it. You, you actually, your wife should have made lasagna for that. All the, all the runners could have carbo-loaded before they did the prostate cancer run. Well, I'm just happy I didn't go out in public to watch the Super Bowl in any form because I – Broke down and cried, like just spontaneously, like all the years of frustration from being a little kid wearing a Chiefs jersey, you know, all what we've all been through. Um, I mean, and then he breaks that long run and I just I lost it. It's just like yeah. my dogs are looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I I think this job has desensitized me like the the. I think I probably enjoyed the Royals winning the World Series more than I did the Chiefs Super Bowl, but I think I like I don't think I can cry about sports, happy or sad anymore. I was just glad to know I had that in me, but uh, yeah. of course I'm am on those hormone therapies, so I'm very uh, hormonal. Uh, I had hot flashes and emotion swings, so um, 
basically they took out my prostate and turned me into a middle-aged woman. And I didn't know that that was part of the deal. I probably wouldn't have signed up for this cancer. Yeah, you figured out. I mean, we have it a lot better. At least you can at least you can still stand up to pee, right? Uh yeah, but it's not always advisable. Um Okay. This is uh without a prostate, he just kind of goes when he wants to go. Mm-hmm. He just He's like, hey, you know what? Uh, you, you've held that out for long enough. I'm going to go. And I'm like, okay. We just kind of have to deal with him. This is the most educational podcast I've been on in a while. I'm learning. This, this is a strange edition, even by my podcast standards. <laughs> <laughs> we were. I did get into uh, edibles with Ben Lieber. That should have been the name of the podcast. We discussed edibles and why we shouldn't be eating bats, mostly because there's no meat on them. Well, mostly because, I mean, they're bats. Like, why would anyone want to do that? I mean, I can't imagine being at the point in my life when I look at, you know, a bat and say, man, I'm so hungry, I want to eat that. I mean, I'm not going to rule out where I'm going to be in like six weeks of stay at home, you know. I I mean, I might see something rolling around the garage and just go, I don't know, man. That that, that looks like the best thing I've had in a couple weeks. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's – I'm doing pretty well considering this is day 22 of being held hostage yeah. on my own property. I guess I could go out for a drive. Uh, right. But I feel, like, I feel like the Rona would get me. I feel like the Rona is looking for me. And if I, <laughs> if I go out in public, show my face, um, the Rona will be there. And just yeah, and see, I think people like us actually had a little advantage. Who like I've said, like I've been socially distancing for years, right? My life is really not that much different. I just, I just don't have the option of leaving the house. Like I never really left the house that much. I've worked from home for seventeen years. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, but now I can't, even if I want to. No, we're a little different. We do maintain an office, so I'm, I am paying rent. Oh, that's on a, right. On a building that I don't go to anymore. It's kind of that seems you know, not great. Unfortunately, does anybody go there? Yeah, D. Scott Fritchen got, pops in. He he actually lives across the street from me. He got. <laughs> he, he, he goes in and writes his stories at two twenty-seven in the morning. No, he's you know since uh, he's dry now. Uh, bless right. his heart. He's dry for quite a while. He's remarkably normal hours. Since, he's got normal hours. Yeah, so? yeah. He, okay. He gets up and drinks his coffee. Well, he drinks he drinks coffee all the time. He's loving this, having an office all to himself. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I would love to be able to use my podcast studio. I have a full-fledged studio down there, and it's sitting empty. My my buddies from the Manhattan Running Company pop in once in a while to use it for their their podcast. But no, we're, we're mm. just sitting there in a TV video studio that is not being used. It's just lovely. Lovely. But the the problem is, is, you know, our business is sustaining. We're not losing customers. Right. Uh, But for how long? uh, I'll tell you exactly how long until there's not football in the fall. Right. Uh, You know, that's what I like. I've had a lot of people say, you know, I mean, immediately when this happened, everybody said, well, what are you going to write about? I said, well, we'll find stuff to write about. You know, for the next, I mean, this is the slow time of year anyway, especially when you cover a basketball team that, that doesn't do things like play in the NCAA tournament anymore. Um, you know, so March and April are always pretty slow. Um, I mean, we won't have recruiting camps, but whatever, we, you know, you can still call kids on the phone and do the cookie cutter recruiting articles, but come mid July, if we're not down in Atlanta for sec media days, There's only so long I can stretch out a 64-player bracket for the the best player in Mizzou football history or do things Uh like, uh, you know, Zoom calls with former players. And, like, this is is a time, though, I was talking with some people. This is a time guys like you and me that have been covering the same team for a long time actually have a pretty big advantage because, like, I've got phone numbers for guys – who were in college when some of the people on this beat were nine years old, you know, so I can call those guys up and, and we did an hour long thing with, uh, with Martin Rucker and Chase Kaufman that's going on our site tomorrow. So we can do that. I mean, if you've been covering K state for a year and a half, what do you write? Like you probably don't even know anything about, you know, Jacob Poland. So how do you write about it? That's kind of what the premises podcast is. You, you, get to know a lot of people and let's call them and mm-hmm. and uh but let's just put it this way i've texted a, a rather prominent receiver in the nfl and i think it's his right number 
and he never replied. I have never felt well, like the yeah. ugly girl more than I do now. No, I mean, that's that's not completely uncommon, though. I'm know? like, I see, I'm so neurotic. If someone texts me, I just am compelled to return the text. Well, did you did you get like the bubbles that indicated he was reading it and then he didn't reply at all? I never never saw anything. Yeah. Back when I started doing this and, and when you were, were doing this probably a little more actively, I guess, than you are now, like we had – and maybe you guys were different because Bill Snyder never gave access to anything. Right. But you got to know these guys, right? right. I, I mean like we covered every practice. And, I mean there's guys that, that played on – the 2017 that was number one in the country that I, I still keep in fairly regular touch with just because I got to know them pretty well. I was closer to their age, all that. Now, like the guys that play for Missouri know me as one of 15 people that shows up after practice and sticks a tape recorder in their face. Right. And that's it. That's the only time we talk to them. And, you know, I've told people at Missouri over and over, like, it doesn't do them any good. It doesn't do us any good. Um, they don't know us, so they don't want to tell. They don't want to open up to us at all. We don't have time. We don't get one-on-one -on -one interviews, so you can't you can't do stories that are really in depth. And oh, by the way, all these kids think they're playing in the NFL and the NBA. And if they if they are good enough to get there, they're going to get there and go. Well, what do you mean I have to do interviews? When I was in college, I just got to say sorry. I have a cough. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I know. Or you know, sorry, I I've got to go uh, play NBA 2K or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's that way all over the country. It's not just a Missouri-specific thing, but, uh, you know, Kim English is a, an assistant coach with Tennessee now, and they were here uh, playing, and he actually he stayed in town a couple of days because he and his wife are, are building a house in Columbia, so I had lunch with him, and, you know, we were talking, and I just said, I can't imagine 15 years from now that I would have lunch with somebody that's playing on uh, the Missouri football or basketball team because they don't even know who I am. It's changed. It's changed so yeah. much. Yeah, I'm... I remain close with uh, guys from that same era. I mean, I, I just did Ben Lieber. And, you know, of course, that was a little bit different. His girlfriend, now wife, worked for us in our office. So we did kind of get to know him. But back then, I'd be at uh, one of my favorite bars, and the guys would walk up and just talk to me, you know. Just, yeah. yep. And now you can see them just scatter, and, you know. They, they don't trust you at all. Right, uh, if they even I, recognize you. I get it. Yeah, uh, you know, I I get it. I I don't trust myself, so <laughs> I get it. You uh, are one of my favorite memories of a Rivals dot com conference back in the day when we were in a shuttle together with. I think I know where this is going, with, and I'm glad I'm not the one that it's about. With the uh, Southern Miss publisher. Oh, that yes. Yeah, who uh, decided to pop off to me about Bill Snyder. And uh, in jumped Gabe DeArmond, and I remember your comment. I don't remember exactly what you said to him, but I remember how you ended it with, damn it, now you're making me defend Bill Snyder. <laughs> I probably actually am more pro-Bill Snyder than anyone that's not at Kansas. Like, I, I legitimately believe he might be the best coach in college football history. He could be. He if could you be. put him at Alabama – with access to that kind of talent, how many national titles does he win? And then I wonder, would he be the same coach with that kind of talent? Right. That's a, that's a question. I mean, or, or would he be the same coach? Uh, you know, he flirted early on with UCLA uh, because he had been at USC for one year as a young coach. And I think he kind of liked it. But would he have been able to function in a market with that kind of media? Because he just didn't want to allow us to do anything. And uh, he was even worse when he came back in terms of media availability. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. you know, Nick Saban's not the most media friendly coach. Kirby smarts a nightmare for the media. So I don't think you have to be, have to be super friendly with it. And, uh, but you know, what, what impressed me so much about Bill was he, he won the first time because he, when everybody was running I formation power option football, he came and he, and he, put in this spread with Michael Bishop who could run all over the place. And then 10 years later, when everybody was doing that, 
he came back and ran the most boring eye formation football and just sat there on the ball for 38 minutes yep. a game. And he won both ways. He basically won by doing what nobody else was doing. Yep. And it's how you have to win at K-State. It's how you have to win at Missouri. It's how you have to win these places where, you know, if K-State and Missouri line up and they just try to do what Oklahoma and Texas and Alabama and Auburn are doing, like they're going to lose every week yep. because the other team has better players. So you have to find ways to do it that they're not doing it. And, I mean, Bill was – he was unreal. People forget and or they just don't know. They, uh, Particularly younger people only remember Kansas State football, Michael Bishop forward. You know, when, when, right. he, when, when he designed the Wildcat offense around this incredible running, throwing quarterback. But before then, they were running the spread before it was called the spread. They were running five wides and throwing the ball all over Nebraska in Lincoln. Chad May. And, yeah. yeah, and and doing things that were crazy, just crazy in terms of college football. And then he decided, well, now I'm going to design this quarterback run game that nobody's really done it this way, and now we're going right. to do it that way. And you're right. He came back then in the next round and said, well, we're going to do something even a little bit different. We're going to just – play ball possession and run out the clock on you and just outscore you or yeah. if you're way better than us we're not going to let you get away we're going to hang around and maybe get you in the fourth quarter i always said bill slider didn't win games so much as he just waited for you to lose them because he knew his team wasn't going to lose them. you know he knew his team wasn't going to make some fatal mistake so he would just sit there and say eventually you're going to get impatient and you're going to screw up and you're going to beat yourself right. the second time around. Now, the first time, look, you had Darren Sproles and, and Michael Bishop and guys like that, and, and he could out athletes and teams. But actually, I was we're doing all this historical stuff, and two of my favorite games I think that I've ever covered were were K State Missouri games. The uh, the '98 game, which was the last game of the regular season, where K State came in. I, I don't know what they were ranked, but they were top five. It was in Columbia, and, and K State won at thirty-one twenty-five. And it was that was the year Missouri was eight and four that year. Their four losses were all the teams in the top seven of the country, and they led every game at halftime. That was Michael Bishop, Corby Jones, and it was probably one of the two most entertaining Missouri games I've ever seen. And then the other one that's just like my personal favorite game was when Missouri came there in 2009 and Denario Alexander had like 700 yards receiving and did it every possible way a receiver can do it in that game. And I just, it's the best individual effort I think I've ever seen out of a Missouri player. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, I, I love those games between K-State Missouri. I wish, I really hope that K-State Missouri can play in something soon. I mean, yeah. Well, and, and football's in what twenty twenty two or something like that. A couple of years they're playing here. Oh, that's right. And uh, I, I would love to just have a a time when the two teams could just at least play in Kansas City. I always thought that that the basketball team should have gotten together and done that in yeah. the last few years, just as nothing more than a giant middle finger to KU. That's exactly it. Okay, if you won't do this, we'll just make this our town. You know, we'll go play this game. And Missouri K-State would have sold out the Sprint Center. Um, I, I don't think there's any question for basketball, especially the year Missouri had Michael Porter Jr. Case, I think that was the year K-State ended up going to the Elite Eight, maybe. You know, so, I, I mean, that would have that would have worked. Um, but that was always kind of the common ground. Like, I don't think K-State and Missouri really hated each other because they both hated Kansas so much. I, I remember the, the 2007 game in Manhattan. Um, Missouri came in and... I guess at that time they would have been nine and one and they were, you know, basically they were having to win every week to keep pace to possibly win the North with Kansas and they beat K-State. And as Missouri's walking off the field, the entire crowd in Manhattan just starts chanting beat KU. You know, <laughs> it was like, it was like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now Missouri KU is coming back next year. And, you know, like I'm glad I, I like it. I've wanted it. I've always wanted it to continue only in basketball. I don't care about football. I just want K-State basketball to be consistently I, good. It's yeah. I, uh, I just, fast. I just want there to be a player that picks up a chair in that game. At some point. I didn't cover the game. I sent my young guy who actually got a floor seat for the first time in eons. We've been up in the rafters with other media members and right. that damn thing yeah, breaks loose right now. Yeah, right. It breaks the, the whole incident breaks loose right in front of him, right behind him, and he, yeah, he got nine. He had some downloads. great pictures and video. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I joked that I was really happy it was him because uh, me in my generation, 
picking up my phone and immediately videotaping, by the time I figured out how to do it, it would have been over. <laughs> would have been over. Yeah. yeah that well, was, hold this. What do well, I do? Well, I, just, I wasn't watching that game, but it was like a 6 o'clock game, and Missouri played at 8. So I had just gotten to the arena and gotten set up, and I started seeing Twitter blow up. I legitimately did not watch the first half of the Missouri game. I was just watching every angle I could find in the, the fight in the, in the KUK State game. And then it, uh, on a road game, Bruce Weber slammed a stool into the ground, into the court, because he was mad at one of his players. And I'm like, when did society turn on stools? Okay. I mean, Bob, Bob Knight's been doing this for 25 years. <laughs> I know. It's about time you did that to those <laughs> chairs and stools. Exactly. Brother, it's good to catch up with you. I'm glad uh, all yeah, is well fun, in, in Columbia, Missouri. I miss driving over there. I really do. Um, but uh, I think it was a wise decision to go to the SEC. I don't know. Yeah, they had to do it. I, I think I think the one that made the mistake was Nebraska going to the Big Ten. They have now discovered that if you thought they were on the outside in the Big 12, they're that team out west in the Big Ten. Eventually, I think their fans are going to figure out it's never going to be 1995 again. I don't know that they will. I I, don't, I mean, I don't, you know, I, maybe maybe it is still 1995 in Lincoln. I don't know. I don't but, know. I, all, but, yeah. I, all I know is uh, that is a fan base that even if there isn't a football game, if we're not playing football in the fall, <laughs> they'll eight, just go. 80,000 will just show up at that stadium <laughs> and sit right. on the 16 inch wide seats that nobody release some balloons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way they roll. Yeah, well, hey, uh, in a couple of years when Missouri and K-State play, maybe we'll be able to leave our houses again and we'll uh, break bread. I don't know that I will ever leave my house again. I'm <laughs> well, discovering I can I mean, do my job. I, I hope you do at some point. People bring me food. Um, I've got my dogs. Dogs are loving this. My the dogs dad. are getting walked more than more than they've ever. Like, people are going to go back to work and the dogs are going to want to know what the hell happened. I know. I know. Yeah. So. But at least we're not eating them yet. <laughs> no. I'll go to the bats before I go to the dogs. I'm with you. I'm with you. Good to talk to you, brother. <laughs> All right, Fitz. Have a good you one. Bet. Bye. Gabe is the man in the Mizzou market, but I love how he takes his work seriously but doesn't take himself so seriously. It's a great trait more of us probably need to embrace. And another episode of Life of Fits is complete. I hope you're enjoying these conversations because it's great to get caught up with friends. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple, Google, or your favorite podcast provider. And men over 45, go get your PSA scored. It's a simple blood test. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon.